0: This podcast is brought to you by the Canada Foundation for Innovation.
1: I started out to be a scientist in this country in the 1970s. I was graduating from high school in 1979, and I wanted to be a dinosaurian paleontologist.
0: This is Robert J. Sawyer award-winning Canadian science fiction writer. He has written more than 20 novels and his books can be read in over two dozen languages. Here he speaks to a room of about 85 Canadian researchers at a workshop hosted by the Canada Foundation for Innovation in Ottawa in November 2018.
1: My father taught economics at the University of Toronto and he said whatever you want to do do a little research. Find out what the job opportunities are before you invest, because if you're going to become a scientist, you're talking 10 years, get your PhD, you're going to invest a lot of time. So I started looking around, and at that time, 1979, there were precisely three dinosaurian paleontologists in Canada. There were only 24 full-timers in the entire world, and so what I thought was a crazy, Dream, which was being an internationally successful science fiction writer based in Toronto, based in Canada, actually turned out to be more practicable as a career choice than choosing science in this country in the 1970s.
0: After he wrote his first novel in 1988, Sawyer was still troubled about not becoming a scientist. He quotes David Suzuki, who was also reflecting on the state of Canadian science at the time.
1: He had said this in 87. So again, to give us some perspective here, that's 31 years ago. I was soon to see the difference between Canada and the United States. My American peers, starting out as assistant professors like me, could expect their first grants in the $30,000 to $40,000 range. I was told that National Research Council of Canada grants start at about $2,500. So there's no question that at the time I was thinking of becoming a scientist, and indeed in the early days of science in this country, we were undervaluing it. We didn't have a lot of people who were making full-time careers in science. We were underfunding our institutions. We weren't appreciative of the great intellectual base we were producing here in Canada. Times change, though, and I've been privileged as a science fiction writer to watch those changes. In um, 2002, a novel of mine came out called Hominids, which is set in large part at what was then called the Sudbury Neutrino Observatory and is now, because it's widened its mandate, Snow Lab.
0: Snow Lab is a unique underground research facility in Sudbury, Ontario. Located in a nickel mine two kilometers underground, the lab specializes in neutrino and dark matter physics. In 2015, Canadian astrophysicist Arthur MacDonald and his research partner won the Nobel Prize in Physics for the discovery that subatomic particles, known as neutrinos, have mass.
1: And I remember very vividly calling up Art McDonald, and I said, you know, I'm, I want to write a novel set. And he said, ah, oh, man, We've had, we had a mystery writer come here. We weren't really happy with what they did. I don't know. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, in the first chapter, I want to destroy the neutrino detector. And he said, you know how you could do that? And he. Goes, <laughs> And I actually used his scenario, so he immediately got engaged. And I loved the fact that when I was writing this novel, I was able to, I was looking for a facility that was world-class and unlike when I started writing in the late 80s, by the early 2000s, I could look around and have my pick of them to write and set novels at. But I started with the Sudbury Neutrino Observatory. Is really, it's a wonderful, amazing facility. If you get the chance to go, Go down, have a look. I learned that Snow Lab has the world's deepest flush toilets in the world. And I felt bad because you have to go down for four hours. That's the only thing. So I held it. I didn't know. I should have used the toilet because then I would have been part of that record. right? I would have said, oh, wow. It's like going to the Louvre and not seeing the Mona Lisa. Right? You're missing out on the whole point of the trip in some ways.
0: Setting his novels in world-class research facilities is an idea Sawyer has returned to again and again in his fiction. By his 23rd novel, Quantum Night, he found inspiration in the Canadian light source, Canada's national synchrotron facility in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan.
1: It was such a natural to set it there. Uh, i just read you a paragraph from the novel. Kayla and I made it to the Canadian Light Source a little after 9 a.m. I was amused to note that its street address on the University of Saskatchewan campus was, what is it? 44 Innovation Boulevard. Boulevard. I suspect the other occupants of that street were hard-pressed to match the sort of things Kayla described as she gave me a tour. A synchrotron she said as we walked along, is an amazingly versatile tool. It's the Swiss army knife of particle accelerators. You can tune its output to do almost anything, adjusting energy range, wavelength, resolution, photon brightness, and beam size. The researchers here do work in fundamental physics, archaeology, geology, botany, new fuel sources, material science, you name it. It's incredible how much world class, first rate science is going on here, and that purpose built machines, so in a way that the synchrotron was, and the way that Snow Lab was, expand their mandate as time goes on. Who would have thought when they were building the synchrotron that one of its key areas of research would be archaeology? So incredible, once you have the infrastructure in place, what can be accomplished?
0: Sawyer has drawn on powerhouse science facilities for his novels both internationally, including CERN, a particle physics lab in Switzerland, and across Canada, like the paleontology department at the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto and the Triumph Particle Accelerator in Vancouver. He is committed to using his fiction to put a spotlight on Canadian science facilities.
1: I never want to look beyond Canada's borders unless I can't fulfill my fictional need in Canada. For instance, I have a novel called Illegal Alien. Legal Alien is a courtroom drama with an extraterrestrial defendant. Defendant is charged with murder. In the United States, that means the defendant could be facing the death penalty. In Canada, the defendant would be facing a stern talking to. So I had to set it in the United States to have the dramatic stakes. But in every other circumstance, I look for the Canadian answer. And it has not failed me this century.
0: Sawyer's enthusiasm for Canadian science stems from his vantage point of aspiring scientist-turned-writer. He has witnessed a transformation in research in this country over the decades, and he talks about that in this interview.
1: I think we're at the best we've ever been. But that doesn't mean we're going to be the best we'll ever be in terms of Canadian science research. I think we've got a real momentum moving forward here. We had a Nobel laureate in physics in 2018. We had a Nobel laureate in physics uh, three years prior to that. I suspect we're going to see more and more Nobel medals coming to Canada in the the sciences. Uh, And we're also going to see more and more generations of Canadian science students staying here because there's nowhere better to go. Because the best place in the world to do Uh, Fundamental particle research is Snow Lab, the best place in the world to do all the variety of things that you can do with a synchrotron is the Canadian light source. The best place in the world to do Arctic research is aboard our icebreaker Amundsen. We have not only now uh, the best trained minds but also the best facilities and what we're going to see come out of that is a recognition on the world stage.
0: Sawyer's optimistic view of where Canadian science is headed carries through to his approach to writing fiction. He sees science fiction as instrumental to influencing how we envision our future and the role of research in shaping
1: it. I'm passionate about science fiction, not because, as is often erroneously thought, it predicts the future. Because that's not our job. Our job is to predict the multiplicity of possible futures, the smorgasbord of tomorrows, so that we can look and say, well, that's terrible. Everybody's under surveillance all the time. There's no privacy. There's no freedom. We don't want that. was, you know, George Orwell reminded us of that. Or, you know, if we start, okay, you have a lot of uh, new technologies and reproduction, but if we just let men control it. Well, Margaret Atwood gave us a science fiction novel about that, The Handmaid's Tale, right? The problem with science fiction generally is those are the easy ones to write, the dystopian. If this goes on, it's going to go horribly wrong. And I felt what I'm passionate about is finding the place on that smorgasbord of possibilities where there hasn't been a really appetizing one put out. I want to say if we do artificial intelligence right, we can have this world where everybody is better off. If we do genomics and genetic research and the sharing of genetic information in a socialized medicine context, we can have better, longer, healthier lives for everybody. I think that when science fiction turns its speculative knack to positive futures, we can energize. It's not well and good that I energize my readers. That's Incidental, I make my living doing that, but it's incidental. What's important is when those readers turn around and energize their representatives in government and say, we want that, give us that. Give us successful, safe AI. Give us longer lifespans that are healthy. Give us a way to grow more crops uh, than we ever grew before. Give us this future. Don't give us the one where the robots take over. Don't give us the one where we have no reproductive freedom. Don't give us the one where we have no privacy. Choose those ones. And I'm passionate about being the advocate for the positive futures that I know because we've had 150 years, now 151 years of doing it in this country, of making positive futures come true. And we try to do it for everybody. And no other country on the globe has our track record of doing it.
0: At the end of Sawyer's presentation, He reminds the researchers in the room of their part in deciding the future of research
1: in Canada. My favorite science fiction writer, Arthur C. Clarke, once said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I don't actually think that's true. I think if you get too far into magic, you're violating known physical law, conservation of mass and energy. But the spirit of it, that the more advanced science becomes, and look at how advanced we are here in the second decade of the 21st century. Imagine how advanced will be by the fifth decade or the ninth decade of this century. The more advanced science becomes, the more miraculous it will seem to the general public, the things that we're able to do. You guys are getting the funding. You guys have a great custodian agency that's you're responsible to in CFI. You also have a great responsibility to your fellow men and women to make sure you make the right decisions as we move ahead into a wonderful future in which I, even I, could have been a scientist had I been born today.
0: Find more research stories like this at innovation.ca slash stories and subscribe to the Canada Foundation for Innovation through your favorite podcast app. Also, please rate, review, and share our podcast. It really helps others to find it.